<laughs> so we started. Welcome, everyone, to our very first episode of the Awkward People Podcast, and uh, we're both really excited to uh, to get this started. I'm Alex Crone. I'm Priscilla Gonzalez. And the uh, main reason why we started this podcast is to uplift uh, artists in all aspects of art, whether it's acting, uh, stand-up comedy, visual art. Yeah, or musicians. We just want to interview people from different facets of art that we could promote their um, their talents, and we also get to know a little bit more about them in the process. Yep, and uh, I'm really looking forward to to doing this. And um, how did we meet? How did we? We actually met through a um, your sister. I remember one day me and John were hanging out by the pool. And it was like 4th of July, and you said you were on your way to <laughs> go hang out with some friends, and you had this ridiculous, like, American flag bandana on, and like shorts, and a shirt with the cutoffs all the way down here. Back before, back when I was really patriotic. Yeah, freeing the nipple and everything. And you guys are like, hey, what are you up to? And we're like, oh, we're just swimming. And you're like, cool, I'll see you later. And um, I actually ended up sleeping over that night and oh, with Jasmine. That's right. And um, I think we just started talking from there and we became friends. I don't even remember how we ended up hanging out by ourselves without Jasmine. Right. Well, so we were, we were in theater together, mm. but we didn't actually meet until after uh, we had both graduated high school because we were both taking uh, drama with our former uh, acting teacher, Mr. Dykeman. Yeah. And... And yeah, and we were doing improv and we were doing plays and stuff. And I remember the very first play I saw you. <laughs> and <laughs> I'll never forget, you were wearing this. It was like a, was it like a like a leopard? It was leopard print tights. It was <laughs> and a see-through blouse with a really hot pink bra. <laughs> That's right. Gosh, that was so long ago. And um, I remember it being pitch black in the theater. And all I see is you walking in these. I didn't know. I didn't know you yet. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I had no idea who you were. But as soon as you walked on stage, I saw. I saw one butt cheek go bah, bah, bah. <laughs> <laughs> and I started cracking up. Now you know, like when you're in a live performance, yeah, especially theater, and if something, I. I it was a comedy, right? It was mm -hmm. a comedy play. So I, I, granted, you're allowed to laugh, but I don't think it was the right moment. And I was just trying to hold in my laughter so much, and it was just so difficult because <laughs> of how funny you were walking. <laughs> I know. Um, I remember our theater teacher said, I want you to look as bimbo-y as possible. So I had, for one rehearsal, they had me try out the like sheer top with the pink bra, and I just so happened to bring the wrong bra that day. <laughs> and Mr. Dykeman's like, that's the look. That's what we want. Wear it. <laughs> I remember being so embarrassed because it was like the first time like my family came to come watch me perform. And I was really nervous. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not only kissing a boy in this play, but I'm also like half naked in a high school play. <laughs> what was the play again? It was Neil Simon's Proposals. Ozels, that's right. Yeah. What was your character? Sami. Sami. 
What, what, was, what was she? What, was she a prostitute? Was she a... <laughs> no. <laughs> she was just like a cousin of someone in, oh, in the gosh. play that ended up liking this, like, uh, what would you call him? Like this Italian guy, which was PJ. That's right. And he was really big and broad. I and... remember that. He was wearing this, like, 1970s mm-hmm. like type of shirt where the collars were, like, sticking out on either side with a jacket. Yeah. And... <laughs> Man. And the gold chains, too. The gold chains, that's right. Yeah. It was so corny, but it was hilarious. <laughs> the first play I was in was, um, I was zombie number two. Nice. For Night of the Living Dead. This was 2008, 2009, something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember the uh, the makeup that they had put us, that they had put on, um, it was, I forget what the material was. It was like a... Latex? Yeah, it was like latex mixed with something else, and a bunch of us got a huge rash on like on all over our face. You I need the makeup then. I was. <laughs> you already look sickly. You didn't need the makeup then. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, roasted. And uh, I remember like one of the parents were like threatening to to sue, and. Um, but we did. We we did the play, and it was it was awesome. But I remember it. I remember the principal telling us that it was just way too graphic for high school. So they wanted us to make it really really lighthearted. So they made us do a uh, thriller dance. That's so corny. <laughs> <laughs> we had to learn the thriller dance, which was pretty cool. But it. It was super corny and it and it kind of like threw off the night because you know you 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 want to scare people. It was around Halloween, mm-hmm. but you know it's high school, so I guess it made sense. And I guess some people were just you I, know not having it with all the blood and gore. But I feel like it was only that year because the year that your sister did Night of the Living Dead, um, he did you see how much blood he used? He blasted one of her friends with like a bunch of blood and he was drenched. Were Who, you there for that one? Maybe I think it was his like taller guy named Javier. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And he got drenched. What? Okay, so I, I remember... He was soaked in, like, fake blood. Because I think it was their last night, and I even filled it up to the top. Wait, you know what? So, no. That uh, that was... Because I know they had done Night of the Living Dead a few times after I had graduated. Uh-huh. So, I wasn't there for that one. But I do remember they had a uh, a machine that had these... Two like metal poles uh, sticking out through behind the window, filled it with leaves. They filled it with fake blood. And it was supposed to be a car explosion scene towards like the end of the play, mm-hmm. and uh, and we had to like break through this like fake uh, candy glass. And I remember uh, one of the main actors. He we we broke through the window. We were sticking our hands through it, and he comes in with uh, with his fake uh, uh, rifle, and he's. Using the rifle to to not let us break through the window because that was what was happening in the scene, mm-hmm. and all I remember is seeing the back of the rifle come forward and knocking me right <laughs> on my forehead, and I swear I fall back and I black out for like ten seconds. <laughs> and you didn't have to act. <laughs> no, I think he was a. Uh, I think he was doing method. He was definitely method acting. Oh God! <laughs> so, oh man. Um, 
but yeah, but we've been friends since, and uh, gosh, it's been like ten years now. Nine years. Nine years. Maybe. It feels like a long time. It does feel like a long. It feels longer than that. It feels longer than that only because I feel like when I hang out with you, it doesn't feel like, like our friendship doesn't feel like work since we're always doing fun things. It's always really creative. Yeah. yeah. So like I actually have a lot of fun as opposed to when I hang out with some people. I feel like, like I have to make time for them. <laughs> and then you get drained. Yeah, I get drained. Some people just have this energy that I'm like, oh my God, get away from me. But like, usually when I hang out with Alex, we're like, oh shit, I have to go to work tomorrow. Like, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and I think those are the kind of friendships you want to have, right? Yeah. Because I feel like if you hang out with somebody that drains you all the time, that makes you feel like crap, like what's the point of even being around them? I call those energy vampires. Mm-hmm. They suck the living energy out of you. And then you wonder why you're like, oh. Man, like I just feel so out of energy, and you, yeah. well, you gotta look about at the people you're hanging out with sometimes. Yeah, it's exhausting. We had a couple of those in our friend group. After I left them, I was all like, "Thank God that's over. <laughs> Let's go grab some fries or something." <laughs> yep. Um, I also wanted to talk about um, what got you into theater. Oh my god, it's such a it's just such a typical story. I actually had been with like my boyfriend of four years, and then we broke up because he was gay. <laughs> and that has nothing to do with anything. He's a good person. I still have mad respect for him, and I just realized he follows his podcast page. <laughs> um, hello. <laughs> but um I was really sad because I lost a lot of friends after that. That um, what, really? time in my life. Everybody that I was friends with stopped being friends with me. Because? Yeah, because they're like, we agree. You are toxic. I agree, too. I was crazy. <laughs> but, um, but you know, I was in high school. I didn't know any better. And um, I was just just trying to find myself. And, like, I took one theater class with Dykeman. And I was like, oh, this is my these are my people. Like, yeah. why do I feel like I all of a sudden identify with a group of people? I've always felt kind of like an outcast. And, like, I didn't belong. And I know I've always been a little bit weirder than more people. Most people. And, um... <laughs> Stop. I, I've always felt a little bit weird or out of place. And I finally found a home. It felt safe and I could express myself creatively. And it didn't matter how weird I was because yep. there was always someone weirder. Especially in drama. Yeah. Always. There's always that one person. <laughs> there's always that one person who like is drawing creepy anime in the corner. And it's always the one who plays Yu-Gi-Oh out in the quad. Yeah. By the B, huh? <laughs> By the B building. By the B building. <laughs> They'd be back there doing all the moves. And I was just like, please stop. <laughs> See, like, that's how I'm like, you know what? I think I am normal. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't pretend to be a dragon in the quad. I think I'll be fine you're socially. Like, you're like, I'll pretend to be a dragon in the theater room. Yeah, <laughs> where it belongs. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I, so my mom put me into a, uh, an improv class. Well, actually, mm-hmm. I got to backtrack. Um, it was like around 2003, 2004, my, my parents had divorced and my grandfather passed away. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I remember that, you know, so vividly. And I was just, you know, in this deep, you know, depression. I knew I was sad, but I didn't know like what it really was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt lost and I was grieving. And so I was looking for like an outlet you know, what What will make me feel better? I tried video games, and it wasn't video games. Um, but I was watching a lot of 
uh, Robin Williams and uh, Jim Carrey movies, mm. like constantly. And I had this like almost like ability to just remember movie lines and I could like recite them over and over again. And so instead of playing sports with my friends, I would be in the quad area <laughs> reenacting these movies to everyone and people would surround and, and I'd make them laugh. I, I hope they were laughing with me. <laughs> Not at you. <laughs> Not at me. Um, and my teacher at the time noticed that. And she was like, hey, Alex. She's like, I, like you're really good at memorizing these like movies. She's like, mm-hmm. you should audition for the, for the school play. I was like, okay. So me and my buddy at the time, we both auditioned for this uh, show called uh, Damn Yankees. Mm-hmm. It was like a musical. And we did it. We did we did the play, and then we started doing improv. But have you done improv? Um, not a whole lot. Not I did sure. a little bit in college, but I don't think I was really good at it. It stressed me out to think on the spot. It like made me it made me panic an unreasonable amount. Um, I think it all has to do with like my OCD. I have to have things in order, and I have to know like the fight, like the definite outcome of things, and that made me uneasy. So you're better with scripts. I'm better with because scripts. you know already what's going to happen yeah. you're like okay i gotta act this way yeah. this point i gotta get mad i gotta feel this but an improv it's it's like anything goes here you go anything and the fact that i could have anything makes it harder to choose yep. so I that's that. really hard but how did um you started with your middle school teacher right um yes uh, no actually so okay so after that after that play my mom had put me in a um in an improv class mm-hmm. in Bellflower at this place, which is now a, a stand-up comedy club, um, which that. I thought was really cool because they weren't, I, th- I guess they weren't sure what was going to happen to the business, and then uh, this comedian and his wife bought it, and they turned it into a comedy club, uh, which I've got a show there uh, June 30th at the stand-up club in Bellflower. I think it's a Friday or Saturday. Uh, but anyways, I was doing improv there, and then from there, I was like, okay, I, I gotta, I really like this. I gotta continue it. So then I was doing it at uh, at West Middle School, and uh, yeah, fell in love with it. That's crazy though, because you're like, I always wanted to perform there and the comedy club in Bellflower, yep. and you have performed there. And technically, I have, I have performed there as a have. kid when I was nine or ten years old. I was doing my first, you know, comedy shows there. Yeah. And to think that I'll be performing stand up there it's as an adult is weird. It's like a full circle moment. Yep. That's yeah, really cool. Super weird. It is. Now you can tell your comedian friends, I've done this before. Step aside. <laughs> I'm only doing five minutes. They're doing like 10 or 15. God, I can't even imagine doing that much time. You'll but get there. Eventually. But as for now, I feel so. <laughs> I feel like a lot of nerves, especially because we have this upcoming show that he actually produces. On It's going to be on June 3rd. And... um. I I always I feel like I could be good at it if I let go. And I tend to be really nervous and really dependent on script, kind of like what we talked about before, like not knowing how the audience is going to react. I need like a definite response. It's like right. I went to go watch Hairspray yesterday, right? And the audience already knows they're going to like cheer for the mom, Tracy's mom. Mm-hmm. They know they're going to cheer for um I think Mama was a the lady that was a record store. I haven't seen Hairspray in a while. But they know you're going to cheer because those are two iconic characters. You know how the audience feels about the characters. And not knowing how the audience is going to feel about me makes me very uncomfortable. 
<laughs> and it has to do with me like just wanting to be liked by people because I come off like I have a resting sad face and it's slightly bitchy. So I am. <laughs> do I have a resting anything face? I have a resting happy face. I have a resting sad face. Let's see it. <laughs> Look, watch. So <laughs> it's pretty sad. It's frowny. So I'm just like, it's, I don't know if we're going to like It's me. the Gemini. It is. And lately I've been wearing a beanie to work. I work at a coffee shop with a green apron, if you know, you know. Um, and I've been wearing a beanie to work and people think I'm tougher over a beanie. Mm. And to me, that's crazy because no respect when I have my visor. But the beanie <laughs> is a game changer. I... <laughs> People are afraid to ask me for like more sugar. Can I have two sugars in the raw, please? <laughs> Can you make that d d decaf? I'll be like, I'll be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I thought you said hot. They're like, no, it's fine. Ice, and they drive off. <laughs> I'm like, probably because you're in East LA. Yeah, but like, it's funny because they see the beanie, but then there's like me like this at the window, all smiling, all big. So I'm all like, they're, they're probably like, very confused. They're like, who's this happy sad chola? <laughs> <laughs> those are the ones you need to look out for they're like named little clown little giggles <laughs> little sad face <laughs> did did we have uh any resting faces when you first met us uh well i mean you guys both just showed them off now so i mean i thought they looked okay <laughs> what were your first impressions of us uh oh how are you gonna get me in this song I'll yeah say. let's see Can um you? First impression, well, I i mean, I you, you guys are obviously new. I mean, I got the impression because you told me, you know, that you're new to comedy and it's something you want to do. But mm -hmm. I, I always admire when people just jump into something with both feet. You know what I mean? Most people would be like, oh, I've got to do this first and do that. And just based on, like, Alex, I looked up some of your stuff. You just dive right in. <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, and you got to have a little bit of that. I don't care what people are going to think about me to get started because that's how you learn. Right. Yeah. And totally. you're going to have to develop, Priscilla, yeah. a little bit of a thick skin because, yeah, if you're worried about what people think about you, you're in the wrong Let me tell you, though, industry. She's got really thick skin. Like, don't mess with Pris. I know. I mean, if I really have to, I'll bring out the, like, the East LA, right? <laughs> Let's but hear the East LA. Come on, come on. Like, like, um, <laughs> don't fuck with me, fool. <laughs> Is that what you tell people when they order drinks? Oh my you? god, the people ordering the drinks get on my last nerves. Okay, this is my favorite. Okay, they'll be like, Can I have 16 pumps of vanilla and one Splenda, please? Why the fuck do you want the Splenda for if you already did the damage? <laughs> you already got your diabetes in a cup to go, put in the extra pump of vanilla and leave. Uh -huh. Like, I don't, I don't get it. And they'll be like, oh, and caramel drizzle and sweet vanilla foam. I'm like, that's already like 50 grams of sugar. Jesus, that many? That many. That much? That many. Oh. Kaiser's right there, so <laughs> if they need it, they can go walk right over after they, they have their little sugar shock. One of the, uh, so I was working at a, at a very famous Cuban bakery here in L.A. And, of course, our... Um, our, our our customers were uh, were Latino, mm -hmm. and a lot of them would be like, "Oh, does does the guayaba cheese have uh, cheese in it?" <laughs> I'm sorry, say that again. Does the guayaba cheese have cheese in it? It's in the name, a guayaba cheese strudel. All the ingredients are in the name. That's they, what it is. They do the same thing at Starbucks, except they'll be like, 
can I, what comes on the sausage, egg, and cheddar? I'm like, ma'am, <laughs> the name of the sandwich is the ingredients. Oh, so it has sausage. I don't know. <laughs> Why don't you order it and look? I don't know what to tell them anymore. I'm out of, I'm out of words. Like you think that things are obvious to people and it's like the first time I truly realized that common sense isn't that common, mm -hmm. but it's frustrating yep. because it's things that are obvious to me. And sometimes I try to be like a little bit more empathetic because my mom says stuff like that to me. Like it's obvious. It's obvious. How do you not know these things? You're like, but, if it was obvious, I wouldn't ask or I wouldn't. Yeah. But then I put myself in those shoes and I yeah. think what was not obvious about the sausage, egg and cheese. And I feel like as the years go by, I'm becoming more like my mother. My patience is worn out completely. <laughs> this is America. It really is. Welcome to retail. It'll break you. It'll break you. It is not for the weak. It's not. But you do get a lot of good comedy material. I do. From working retail. I do. Because there's di different kind of people that I wouldn't have met otherwise. So it's, it's interesting to... Um, Get to know how to like talk to different people. Yep. Like I get a lot of, there's like different levels of cholo, for example, right? That I've experienced. Like there's like the nice ones, the hardworking ones, the retired ones, and the ones that are like beat you up if you get the caramel frap wrong. <laughs> Cholos are ordering caramel fraps? Yes. Okay. So there was this cholo that used to come through all the time. God forbid he sees this because he knows where I work. Um, he used to come in all the time and he used to act tough and blow like weed in my face when I would like give them change and what? I would literally be like, what the hell? Right. And, um, you would think that someone that looked as hard as that and had like three teardrops would order like, you know, a black hole brew. <laughs> straight coffee, straight, straight nothing in yes, it. Yes. I want water that tastes like cigarettes, <laughs> but you know what he ordered? A caramel frap with extra caramel drizzle and don't forget the sprinkles. <laughs> to me, that was so bizarre. I'm like, you're going to order that wimp ass drink. And you're going to talk to me like that? I don't think so. He really wanted the sprinkles. He really wanted the sprinkles. It was like the sprinkles or else. <laughs> don't mess with little sweets. <laughs> little don't mess sweet. you up. <laughs> little sweet tooth. <laughs> Speaking of sweet. Um. <laughs> <laughs> nice transition. So. But uh, you recently got into doing comedy more. Yes. <laughs> How does that make you feel? It makes me feel really nervous um, because I think I spoke about something kind of vulnerable on my set and it was my first set ever. And I think I just went all in for it being the first time. I talked about like um, having vaginismus. <laughs> what is vaginismus? It's, I'm so embarrassed. because We don't have to talk about it. We don't have to but, talk um, about it. Yeah, I talked about it. And... Um, I thought that the audience was going to be like really shocked and not take it well and that there's going to be crickets, right? Because I saw a lot of older women, older Latina women. That's what you thought. Yeah. How the night was it, man. And um, because there's a lot of older Latina women that reminded me of <laughs> my mother in the audience. And I was like, oh my God, if my mom was here, she would have been like, why are you posting things like that? Like, you know what our family is going to think? I'm like, our family has a lot of teen pregnancy. I think I'll be fine. <laughs> I think you'll be fine talking about vaginismus. You know what I mean? It's a Catholic thing. It's a Catholic thing. If you don't have an alcoholic, a teen pregnancy, and a drug addict in your family, you're not doing it right. Um, 
<laughs> you're not a true Latino. You're not a true Latino. So I thought they were like they were gonna be like the most disappointed out of the crowd, but they actually laughed the most. Cause I was looking into the crowd and this like senora was sliding off her chair. <laughs> And it honestly sur- took me by surprise so much. And that's why I kept like nervous laughing and like kind of like normally laughing because I was laughing at them. <clears throat> right. Because I didn't expect that. But. I mean, each audience is different. You don't know. You don't know, you know, who will be receptive and who will, you know, it's just it's just a matter of taking risks. Yeah. And I've been trying, I've been trying to practice that more because you honestly, I think I've told you this before, but you honestly do inspire me in that way because you do take steps kind of fearlessly oh you do i kind of look up to you <laughs> in that way i do because i you do things that i would never i would never even think of doing like doing stand-up that's hard and before i used to be like whatever you just go up and then i did it and i was sweating i thought i was gonna have a heart attack before i went up before i went up and i said like shit alex does this all the time and he's just like like you do care what people think but you're like my dream of doing this is more than my fear you know and to me, that to me that's super powerful, and I do and I do look up to you. So don't be like, eh. no, I really do. Yay. I don't tell you this because it's cheesy. I'm like, I'm gonna save it for the podcast. <laughs> I can be cheesy there, but I truly do. I truly do mean it. Oh, <laughs> that means a lot, dude. Seriously. Yeah. No, I mean it's. I think, I I look at it at like, um, one. I think the older I get, the the less I care about what people think about what I'm doing with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to a certain extent, you know, cause if your family sees you, you know, messing up or, you know, you know, having <clears throat> going through some struggles, you know, they're going to tell you stuff, right? Yeah. Because they, they, they want the best for you. But, you know, when it comes to doing what you love, you know, I say F it, you know, that, that's really all it is. It's just, you know, what's what's your why? What's your reason? And I, it's it's tough, but it's something, you know, mm-hmm. I face and I, I try to, like, not listen to the naysayers and not listen to those voices in your head because I remember we were talking about this the other day. Like, your competitors aren't the people around you. It's, mm-hmm. it's yourself. Yeah. Right? I got to be better than the person I was yesterday. Mm-hmm. That's that's my biggest competitor. Yeah, and I think we spoke about that a little bit after my set, and I said I want to be better, and I think you asked better than what, and I said better than I did right now. Mm-hmm. I said I don't think that you should, in in anything that you do, you should never feel comfortable. Like I've done it. There's always room for growth. Yeah, and I think that people that just sit complacent, those are the people that never progress. Right. Right. And I like. I just think it's such a waste of time to keep doing your, your craft if you're not going to like try to be better. How can I improve? How can I take more classes? Mm-hmm. I, I don't like if you think that you're comfortable and that you're the best, then I don't think you really know what like discovering those art forms really are. No, totally. Like I, I remember uh, auditioning into this uh, theater art school in, in, in L.A. So many people were, you know, trying to go in and. And. And when when we first started the classes, start off with this big group of people, and just little by little, just people were weeded out because they realized, oh crap, mm-hmm. this is hard. Yeah, this is really hard. They went in there thinking, you know, 
I'm going to be famous out of this. I, I got to be famous out of this. Mm-mm. But it's like, no, it's, the whole goal isn't to be, you know, famous, no matter what it is, no matter what your craft is. Yeah. I, I don't think the goal should be for fame. I think it should be, uh, I think the whole reason for doing stuff like that is to, I totally lost my train of thought. I think to improve. You know where I'm going with this? I feel like it's to improve. Like what I was saying, it's to improve your craft and you have to love what you're doing. Yes, that's If what it is. there is no love and passion to back up whatever you're doing, then there's no point of doing it because fame isn't going to make you a better actor. No. I've seen a lot of actors that'd be like, well, it sounds bad saying it, but they're like Nepo babies. And they got into the industry because like their parents are famous, but not because they're any good. And I think that that should even put the pressure on more to go take acting classes, mm-hmm. go improve it, meet people, network. Experience. Yeah, kind of like what you, what you do when we go to the improv or the comedy store. Like you'll go out of your way to talk to people and network because that's how you, you know, you build your your audience, you build some support. And I think a lot of people forget that. They think like, oh, I'm just going to take this acting class and then I'm going to be famous and then I'm going to be like right. the and next Brad Pitt. And that's not true. You really have to put in the work. And what people don't realize is that when you go into an art, you spend so much money before you even see the fruits of that success. Yep. You have to take classes. You have to keep pushing. No matter how many people tell you, like, you're not good enough for this. That's their opinion because unless you're good enough for the right person, like the right person that comes along and is like, you know what? I see something in you. That's mm-hmm. all that matters. It doesn't matter if like your family doesn't think you're good. Your friend doesn't think you're good. Fuck they think. <laughs> if the right really? person sees you and you're performing and you're performing and they go, that guy's funny. And there's a scout in the in the audience. Then that you only need that one person. Right. Which is rare. It's rare that that happens. Yeah. But it does happen sometimes. You know, and... and uh, the last uh, few things that we talked about, I kind of want to talk about uh, you and I's both first times doing stand-up. So we kind of already went over mine, but I felt nervous. How about we go over yours? Okay. So in 2019, I auditioned for this um, a theater arts class, and I didn't realize that they had a stand-up comedy class as a, as you know as part of their curriculum. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I never thought I would ever do it. I just wanted to be an actor. That's mm-hmm. all I wanted. I, I didn't think I'd, I'd be able to do stand-up comedy. and Because I, I was looking at those people like, these are gods. Mm-hmm. I'm an atheist. <laughs> but if there are gods out there, it's my favorite comedians of all time. Yeah. I was like, I'm never going to do this. I took the class and I ended up really, really liking it. Yeah. And part of our final was to perform... At the comedy store, which is like the mecca of the mecca of all comedy places you want to be. It's at the comedy store in West Hollywood. And the teacher of the class, David Connolly, gave me that opportunity to to perform there. And so we're taking the class. The class lasted about three months. And, you know, I was starting to feel more and more confident Mm -hmm. that same night, dude. I swear, I felt my heart beating <laughs> so fast, and I felt my left arm giving up. I was like, this is a heart attack. <laughs> These are the symptoms. A pacing heart and your left arm giving out. This is it. I'll clammy. And I, I go up to him. I'm like, David, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. He's like, Alex, you got this, man. He's like, remember what I told you? Mm-hmm. Pretend like you're speaking to your five closest friends. 
all right, all right. So I, I kept trying to think that the whole night. Five minutes went by like that. But I still had that in mind. And as soon as I started thinking that, dude, I felt like, you know, I'd been doing stand-up for, mm-hmm. for years. Obviously not, but it felt like that because of that uh, little bit of advice that he gave me, which is I, I you know, try to stick to that. Yeah. Uh, as much as I can, and it's it's helped me so much. And do you do that every time you think back to that moment, and you're like, my five closest friends, my five closest friends. I try to. Sometimes I forget because depends where the show is or how big the audience is. I you still get nervous. That's gonna mm-hmm. happen, you know. Uh, it's inevitable. But you know, I think if 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 you are nervous, that means you care, which is a good sign. Yeah. If you're not nervous, and you feel that you're not nervous. I think you're in trouble. Yeah. Because I think our theater teacher once said, like, nerves are, like, you wanting to be good at it. Yep. And, like, when you're not nervous, it's because you're being cocky. Yep. And you think you're ready. It's like the comfort thing I said. You already feel like you're, you've plateaued. And then, because of that, you bomb. You do. And I've seen it. I've seen it with a couple comics that were, like, lined up with you. And a few of the plays we went to, they're like, yeah, it's no big deal, blah, blah, blah. And crickets. I was literally like, that's pretty bad. Awkward. And sometimes I think something I used a lot during my my first set was I used the nerves as part of my set. Like, I'd be like, <laughs> I'm panicked right now. Anyway, let me go back to my set. I remember that. Yeah, because I couldn't stop laughing my whole set. And I think a lot of people came up to me after and were like, oh, we thought you were laughing at your own joke, so we thought it was even funnier. And I was like, I really, really. wasn't. <laughs> No, but dude, you did great. Seriously, I thought you did better than you thought you did. I know. Seriously, that takes a lot of guts, and because it, it's totally different from acting. Like yeah. you talk about in acting, you have a script, you know where you're going to go. Yeah, sure. In comedy, you generally know what you're going to talk about, but mm-hmm. depending on the room, it 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 goes different. Because I've seen comedians, and they'll, you know, they'll have their set, but then they go totally off tangent, mm-hmm. and they're like, "I was supposed to do a set tonight." And they're just totally doing crowd work. Yeah. I would love to get to that point because I love roasting people. <laughs> I roast my family all the time. Sometimes you. That's a Latino thing. Yeah. With peace and love. I mean, it comes part of your genetic, like, you know, make. Yep. Um, being able to roast people. And I feel like I do a good job at it because I saw some potential victims in the crowd. <laughs> when I was oh, doing no. my set, I was like, oh, if I wasn't doing this, like, not script, but, you know, yep. thing I based my... Um, Stand up off of, I would have totally roasted the two ladies in the front. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How come? They just kept whispering to each other. But I don't remember what I would have said. But they kept like, I was going to make a comment on that. They were besties? Yeah, they were just like. Well, remember that couple I had to kick out? They were annoying. They were. Heckling. They were heckling. They were plastered way before the show even started. Mm -hmm. And. And I remember them just talking and talking and talking throughout the entire show. And I had to tell them, hey, if you guys don't keep it down, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Oh, that's scary. They got so scared. Not even like 30 seconds after that, they did. I know. And I think like a couple shows ago, you had someone really loud too. I just couldn't tell who it was. I know who it was. Oh, God. <laughs> was it who I'm thinking now? <laughs> yeah, just the whistling. And I think I kept hearing, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I was like, 
I hate that phrase now. Even if I see it in text, I could hear the yes, sir. And I can't do it. I'm like, if I hear that one more time, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Whatever comes next is out of my control. It's my anger issues. They're going to be unleashed. Years of therapy in the trash. I, I can't do it. <laughs> well, I feel like we are getting close to an end. Um, I feel like we should uh, mention the things that we've got uh, going on. So we've got the uh, the June 3rd, the uh, Creatures of Habit comedy show that's going to be at the Stay Gallery. Um, it's a Saturday night. Doors open at 7. Show is from comedy is from 8 to 9. And then we're going to have a uh, live musical guest, uh, my friend MJ Levine. 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 Also, Alex's grandma will be making some snacks for everybody. So you can have something in your belly before you start acting insane with the alcohol. <laughs> so just the same, please. Oh, and I'm going to be in the show too. She's going to be in it for the second time. For the second time, thank you for having me on. Um, <laughs> that's like a smaller form of nepotism because I know him. I'm not your child though, so. But, nope. That would be very um, weird. That'd be really weird. Um, but I get to be on it because of that, which is really cool. But I think I'm going to try to venture out eventually because I'm do, getting I'm getting comfy, as some would say. Do a couple more shows before then, dude. Your anxiety is just going to... Get the jitters out? Yeah, get the I jitters have, out. I have to get memorized for sure. I'm going to try to do it by this weekend. Do it, dude. So we've got that coming up. We've also got a comedy web series that we have been writing. Yeah. Uh, which, shout out to our friend, uh, Adrian Hernandez, who, I mean, directed it. He he filmed, he filmed it, it, staged it. He staged it. He, did, he was our, our, our gaffer. <laughs> he was... He was everything, so props like the to him. safety coordinator, everything. He made sure everybody was safe, felt comfortable, and that we liked all the shots. Honestly, he's the best that yep. I've known of. I met like this far in this um industry, and his stuff just looks beautiful. Yep. Like I recommend you guys watch that. I'll probably he, put that somewhere. He's very talented, but we do have to uh, get it edited. Once it's edited, it'll be out into the open world, and. Yeah. What else do we have going on? I think that's it for now. And your show, June, uh, June 30th. June 30th. That's going to be after the one I'm producing. That'll be towards the end of June. That's going to be at the Stand-Up Club in mm -hmm. Blau Bellflower, produced by uh, my very funny friend, Hans Hilton, who is a great producer, really funny guy. Hans is the sweetest. Mm -hmm. He's like just – I love getting hugged by him. Okay. <laughs> I do. He's very kind, and he gives genuine, you know, just genuine vibes all around. He's a cool mm -hmm. dude. Uh, that'll be his show, Hans Hilton and Friends, at the Stand-Up Club. And I think that... That concludes... Concludes our very first episode. So stay tuned for the next one. Bye. See you guys. <laughs>